This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, October 13th. I'm Virginia Allen. Russia has threatened to use nuclear weapons against Ukraine. How serious are those threats? And is the United States prepared to respond in the face of a nuclear attack? What role does China and North Korea play in the discussions of nuclear weapons? Heritage Foundation Senior Policy Analyst in Nuclear Deterrence and Missile Defense, Patty Jane Geller, joins me on the show today to answer these questions. Stay tuned for our conversation after this. For over 35 years, the Heritage Foundation Job Bank has been helping conservatives at all professional levels find employment in key positions in Washington, D.C. and across the country. We can help connect you with positions in the administration, on Capitol Hill, in public policy organizations, and in the private sector. To learn more about the Heritage Foundation Job Bank, go to heritage.org slash job bank. Patty Jane Geller is a senior policy analyst in nuclear deterrence and missile defense in the Center for National Defense at the Heritage Foundation. And she joins us now to talk about the threat of nuclear war that might be facing, might not be facing our world. So, Patty Jane, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show. This is a big conversation and one that's getting a lot of press and a lot of attention right now, in large part because of some of the comments that we're seeing made by world leaders, including our own President Biden. I know Putin is threatening to use nuclear weapons against Ukraine. Last week, President Biden, he gave remarks at a fundraising dinner saying that, you know, he believed that Putin wasn't wasn't joking around, that he was serious and would maybe use nuclear weapons. He even used the term of Armageddon, that we're at that level of threat at this moment. Um, and then on Tuesday, he was on uh, CNN, CNN's Jake Tapper, and Biden kind of walked that back and he said, no, I, I don't think that Putin would use nuclear weapons. What can we draw from this? <laughs> is is there a real threat? And do you think that the White House uh, is being really intentional in their messaging? Is there confusion coming from the White House? What can we make of Biden's comments here? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I think the biggest takeaway is that Biden's comments on nuclear Armageddon is probably the latest example of his you know, irresponsible rhetoric to the American public. And we've seen Biden do this several times where he makes a comment and his staff need to walk it back. You know, mm-hmm. he said multiple times that we would come to defend come to defend Taiwan in a conflict and his staff had to go walk that back. Um, and Biden has been right in other cases when he says uh, when he assures the American people that the nuclear threat is low, we do have to take it seriously. Um, but talking about Armageddon, you know, this the president's job should be to uh, assure the American people that uh, the United States is strong and will be able to deter or, or counter um, nuclear threats. So I, I don't think that comment was very helpful. Mm. Um, when we look at the nuclear threat from Russia, you know, the nuclear threat, surely it's real. Russia has uh, the largest nuclear stockpile in the world. Um, Russia has been. We, we've been hearing threat after threat, nuclear threat after nuclear threat against Ukraine. Uh, is the threat likely? Probably not. I haven't seen a very good I don't see how using a nuclear weapon against Ukraine would really help Putin and help his war aims. You know, mm-hmm. the Ukrainians aren't going to surrender. Um, but that doesn't mean that the the chances that he'll use a nuclear weapon are zero either. Mm. I'm sure I'll get to talking a little bit about 
Russia's nuclear arsenal mm-hmm. and their doctrine and their strategy. And, and one thing that's really different about how Russia views nuclear weapons and how the U.S. views nuclear weapons is that Russia has a much lower threshold for actually using them. They kind of see them as another weapon to use on the battlefield to try to compel its enemies to back down. Whereas I'm, I'm sure we all here in the U.S. think of nuclear weapons as something that we should not use. They're yeah. very dangerous. So what what would it take for Putin to get to that point where he says this is this is worth it? What what's the mm-hmm. kind of cost benefit analysis that he would be doing to say, yeah, I'm going to push this button and we're going to use nuclear weapons? Yes. So we've been seeing or talking about throughout the war the concern that if Putin is losing the conventional fight, he's not making any progress on the war in Ukraine. Uh, then that's when he'll resort to nuclear weapons, you know, out of desperation to, to get the Ukrainians to back down. Um, but we haven't seen that happen yet. You know, uh, Putin has been losing in Ukraine. Um, the Ukrainians has have been making progress, and we haven't seen any sign of um, resorting to use nuclear weapons. You know, the government has reported that they haven't seen any sort of movement of, of Russia's nuclear weapons. So if, you know, he would have to decide that the the response from the West to using a nuclear weapon would be weak, and he would have to decide that it would be um, helpful for his war effort. Okay. Now, how many nuclear weapons does Russia have? Do we have that information? We have a sense of it. Okay. Um, there, there are a couple ways to look at it. Um, well, the first thing I'll tell you is that Russia has the largest nuclear arsenal in the world, yeah, bigger, bigger than ours. <laughs> yeah. And so there, there are two kinds of um, categories of nuclear weapons that we think about. Um, first, there are strategic nuclear weapons. Those are kind of what we think about when we think of nuclear Armageddon, re- weapons that can reach each other's homelands, you know, long-range intercontinental ballistic missiles, uh, bombers that can strike U.S. soil or we can, that we can use to strike Russian soil. Um, the U.S. and Russia have about parity when it comes to strategic nuclear weapons because we both abide by the New START arms control agreement. Um, both Russia and the U.S. are limited to about 1,550 deployed nuclear weapons um, when we're talking about strategic nuclear weapons. But the worry or the, where there's a disparity is in non-strategic nuclear weapons, those that aren't covered by that arms control treaty. Um, and when we talk about non-strategic nuclear weapons, we're thinking uh, weapons that can be used on a battlefield in Europe. So maybe um, artillery armed with nuclear weapons, much shorter range uh, missiles that can, you know, reach Ukraine from from Russia, for example, or reach um, NATO states. Uh, and Russia actually outnumbers the U.S. by about uh, 20 to 1 uh, on those kinds of weapons. They have, yeah, there are at least 2,000 non-strategic weapons. They're modernizing that arsenal. And the U.S. deploys about 100 of these non-strategic nuclear weapons in, in uh, NATO states in Europe. So that's another reason why we're worried. You know, Russia has this many more and this many types of nuclear weapons than we do. Will they perceive that the U.S. doesn't have a proportional response to to that kind of nuclear attack? That's that's what I've been worried about. And why doesn't the U.S. have more? Why are are we trying to actively match Russia's nuclear arsenal? Uh, not necessarily. So okay. the reason we don't have more dates just kind of back to the end of the Cold War when the United States was pursuing nuclear reduction. So was Russia. Uh, just after you know we we found greater peace after the Cold War. But then, you know, over the last 20 years, um, the U.S. has been kind of on holiday. You know, we've been dealing with the Middle East. And meanwhile, Russia was building back up. And, you know, actually, the Obama administration in 2010 said, 
the that the Russia and the U.S. were no longer adversaries. So while we were in kind of this la-la land, you know, focused on the Middle East, not worrying about great power competition, Russia was building back up its nuclear arsenal, and, and not to mention China as well. So there, there certainly have been efforts that started in the Trump administration to, to build back up our nuclear forces to, to kind of rectify that numeric imbalance with Russia. Um, but we haven't seen a lot of progress on that yet. Yeah. You mentioned China. What does... What does China's approach to nuclear weapons look like right now, and how does it compare to the way that that Russia's approaching nukes or the U.S.? Yes, China is actually undergoing a a rapid expansion of its nuclear forces. Our senior military commanders have labeled it breathtaking. They call it a strategic breakout, actually. It's one of the most rapid nuclear buildups we've ever seen. Uh, and this is far different from China's historic view on nuclear weapons, was, is that it only needed the, the minimum number to try and you know, deter major nuclear attack, maybe 50 or 100 or so nuclear weapons. But that's changed, and China seems to be racing to, to achieve parity, if not superiority, to both the U.S. and Russia in terms of its, its nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see a lot more attention on China because now we still have a lot more nuclear forces than they do, but they're they're quickly catching up. Uh, and the U.S. and Russia have a long history of uh, dialogue and arms control and talking about nuclear weapons, but China won't talk to us at all. Okay. So this is um, a big reason why you know China is the pacing challenge to the U.S., and we have a big challenge ahead of us when it comes to China nukes. And where does North Korea fall in that? Are they also having conversations with China and Russia? Do we know? Are they developing their nukes? totally on their own? Are they getting help? Good question. Um, they are building, they're, they're are certainly improving their nuclear capability. I North Korea has a complicated relationship with the Chinese. I'm not sure how the, exactly how they've, they've managed to succeed so much, but what we're seeing from North Korea, despite decades of efforts to get to denuclearize, is what we say, to get North Korea to give up its nuclear program, uh, they've been testing uh, missiles, both mm-hmm. both short range in the region, and also ones that can strike U.S. soil. Um, and they they've they've conducted several nuclear tests to be able to explode a nuclear weapon. And we see them preparing for another nuclear test, which might help them bolster their capabilities. So that's that's a third nuclear threat that that we have to worry about. Yeah, yeah. In recent weeks, North Korea they've launched uh, multiple sets of missiles, like you mentioned, uh, including one that flew over Japan. Uh, North Korea, their state media says that Kim Jong-un has overseen the test launches of several nuclear-capable short-range ballistic missiles, uh, and this includes one that can be fired um, from an underwater silo. Uh, Is North Korea, I mean, are are they kind of just blowing smoke on this issue? Are they trying to appear tough and show the world, look, you know, we can compete with the big dogs, we have nuclear capabilities too? Or are they a legitimate loose cannon that we need to be concerned about uh, the fact that you know, they are uh, really becoming another nuclear power? Mm-hmm. We absolutely need to be concerned about the North Korean nuclear threat. And I, I think the way you assess that is just by looking at their capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not all set in stone yet, but the more nuclear tests they do, you know, they're not just showing that they're another power to be reckoned with. You know, it's not just signaling with those tests. They're, they're working on improving their missiles, um, improving their ability to, to carry nuclear warheads and to, to strike their targets. Um, so th- this is a concern. And, and one reason I want to talk about is um, U.S. extended deterrence commitments. Mm-hmm. So we have agreed with many of our allies, including South Korea and Japan, that 
um, they will not get their own nuclear weapons. And in exchange, the U.S. will, uh, we say, extend our nuclear umbrella over those allies. We'll protect them if the time comes. Uh, and you mentioned the, the missile that North Korea flew over, J- over Japan. So it's, it's our allies who are, who are most under threat, I would say. And they're going to be more and more anxious about the U.S. ability to um, protect them with our own nuclear forces. So I, I think that's kind of the biggest impact to the, to the U.S. Yeah. So, I mean, for you, this is your, your wheelhouse is you know, really studying nuclear weapons and the nations that are developing them. What are the signs that you look for or pay attention to from countries like China or Russia or North Korea um, that might indicate that they are legitimately preparing to use a nuclear weapon? Mm, great question. Uh, fortunately, there's a lot that our intelligence community sh- should be able to pick up. Yeah. Um, for instance, in Russia, we know that not all of their, their nuclear missiles are uh, currently have nuclear weapons on them. They would have to go take out the nuclear weapons from their um, from their depots and put them on. So I know our intelligence community has been searching for just kind of the movement of the forces in charge okay. of our nuclear weapons and the, the weapons in storage themselves. And okay. um, fortunately, our, the, the U.S. government has reported they haven't seen any of that. Okay. Um, Hopefully we won't. <laughs> right. So similar, similarly in China, you know, they, um, they, China has a lot of uh, mobile nuclear missiles. So mm-hmm. we might see some sort of movement of their missiles around, again, movement of warheads. Um, and we're not really expecting a just kind of a bolt out of the blue nuclear attack either. There will be a con- context in which this occurs. You know, in China, for instance, we might be fighting a conventional fight mm-hmm. and seeing the conflict escalate. That's a sign we need to start worrying. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the takeaway is, you know, as that happens or even before that happens, the U.S. needs to be messaging its its strong deterrence capabilities, you know, reminding our adversaries that we are nuclear power, too. I haven't heard enough of this from the Biden administration. And, you know, that any attack on U.S. or its allies will be met with a nuclear response. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the essence of deterrence, really, why we have nuclear weapons. Yeah. It was interesting in um, in July... New York City issued a PSA to its citizens to um, say, hey, if we were to be hit by you know, a nuclear weapon, this is what you should do. And it gave steps. Um, a lot of people were interested by that. Of course, it kind of makes everyone raise that question of like, why are we talking about this now? Is there a real nuclear threat? Um, you know, it's sort of like flying in an airplane and halfway through the, fl- the flight, the pilot announces like, don't worry, the plane's not on fire. And everyone's looking around like, Okay. <laughs> it's a little eerie, the fact that, okay, if, if there are governments that are saying, hey, just FYI, this is what you should do. Um, but granted, we should be prepared. We should know if there is anything we can do. Being totally realistic and honest, if, if America was hit with a nuclear weapon, is there anything people can do? Or are we pretty much at that point, you know, you say your prayers and that's mm-hmm. the end of it. Yeah. I mean, I make the joke that I'll be running to the church if there's a nuclear <laughs> weapon underway. But yeah, there, there's, I mean, there's two parts that we have to worry about in nuclear attack. There's the initial blast, which which could be huge. You know, our Russia, I know, has nuclear bombs on the order of megatons. That's at least a million tons of explosive material that I hate to say this, but so many people will just die from the blast. Uh, and then there's the radiation, the fallout after that, that can cause, um, you know, long-term impacts, cancer, um, th- things like that. So my my advice to all the people is uh, if, if, you know, there's a weapon coming towards you, 
go to the church if you're far <laughs> enough away. Start driving yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. hope not to think about those things because we're we're focused on deterring a nuclear attack. So mm-hmm. that's never going to happen. That should never happen. Yeah, we hope and pray not. Well, Patty Jane Geller, thank you so much for your time. And if for all of our listeners, if you want to learn more on this issue and if you want to read Patty Jane's work, um, you can just go to the Heritage Foundation and look at Patty Jane Geller and find all of her research there. We so appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. If you haven't gotten the chance before, be sure to check out our evening show right here in this podcast feed, where we bring you the top news of the day. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll be right back here with you at 5 p.m. for our top news edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Samantha Asheris, and Jillian Richards. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.